welcome back to Fabulous. Hi, friends. I'm Shannon Payne. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And this week is haunted. Oh my gosh. Everything about it is haunted. Everything is haunted. Half of our shit just broke. It's so haunted. It's so haunted. We're, (laughs) wow. I... I think I pissed off the spirits, Liz. You must have. <laughs> need to I mind your own damn business. I needed to, and I couldn't because I promised you all I wasn't going to. <laughs> uh, so I did a spooky thing um, this week. Which spooky thing did you go see? We went and saw Merker Cemetery. <sighs> it was that's the worst one. It was the worst one. <laughs> I was so I was so scared to do this one. And that's how I eat my Starbursts. The flavors I like the least first. Mm-hmm. Save the pink Just ones for last. Just get it out of the way. <laughs> Just get it all out of the way. Gross. It was, um, let me tell you about my day beforehand. Let okay. Me, so, the whole week, right? It's sunny. It's delightful. It's wonderful. It was a great week. It's a beautiful week. The day that we go, cloudy. Cloudy as shit. So bad. Way to set the scene, Desert. The scene was set. It was spooky. Nature knew. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, I'm driving home to go pick up Brian so we can go do this thing. Mm-hmm. I get behind a car that is towing a trailer that has a killer clown with glowing red eyes. That doesn't feel appropriate for that the road. It doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel right. I um, found out that it was a racing situation, but their like their whole like name and racing team name was just faded out, gone. That has nothing to do with racing. What the fuck does a clown have to do with racing? It's just scary. <sighs> I didn't like it. No. I didn't appreciate it. I didn't appreciate that things lined up in a way that put me behind this car. Yeah. It was not fun. It was not fine. I get home. We pick up Brian. We drive out there. <sighs> I'm scared the whole time. (laughs) I just, I don't know what it is. I don't know that I believe in an afterlife. I don't know. But I, there's like, just like that, like, teensy bit of a chance that it's there. Mm -hmm. And that teensy bit of a chance means that ghosts are a teensy bit potentially real. All the time. All the time. Shorter years ghosts. Mm, They are and they aren't. They are and they aren't. Who knows? You don't know until you're fucking haunted and it's too late. Right. So we're driving and we're going down the road and the clouds just keep coming, just keep going. And the sun's going down so fast and we're stuck in rush hour traffic. (laughs) (laughs) And all I want to do is be there and we're not there. We don't get there. And like the anticipation, the anticipation is building a lot. Ugh. All right. So we drive through Tooele, which means I know I only have 20 minutes left. And then we start and we make our way down Merker Canyon. Okay. We used Google Maps to get there. And it starts taking us up the canyon a little ways. And then we turn off into this weird road where you can, like, tell you have to stop here. And it felt weird because I thought that there was a marker for the cemetery. And I'm like, there's nothing here. And it really looked like a bunch of people were just here, like, shooting things. Sure. For sure. That's what the desert is that's for. That's what the desert is obviously for. So we're Soto like... Photo shoots and shooting guns. Just shooting mm-hmm. all around. So we get out of the car. We switch Google to walking mode and we start going up this steep fucking hill. It is steep as hell. <laughs> and it, Of we, course it is. And we have to walk a, like a half mile. Oh, no. So we're going up this hill and we're going around corners and every single corner. I'm like, this is it. This is where we're going to see it. No, 
this is it. This is where we're going to see it. No, <laughs> we do this like three or four times. And by the end of it, I'm behind Brian. <laughs> I'm just, I am so scared. I'm terrified. I'm behind Brian. And what else is a true love for? If not to get haunted in he your stead. He gave me so much shit for He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> this isn't this even is my idea. <laughs> Stop it. So I try to be brave and I go out in front again. <laughs> kind of, but then keep going backwards. And then we start seeing the stone circles that I told you about. The kind of beginnings of these unmarked graves. Mm-hmm. And then you go more and you see these circles with some have dolls in them. Some have flowers in them. Some have the head of a doll in them. Mm. Some have the body of said doll in them. It's, it's spooky. Yeah. It's spooky. And while we're walking through all of these, the clouds are just still coming in on us. And it's thundering and it's lightning all around us. And then we walk a little bit more around the corner and there are those fences. Ugh. Those white picket fences around all of these graves. They're like if Disneyland made a cemetery fences. It's actually kind of wild how well upkept they were. So somebody is painting this shit. Oh no. So which I guess I appreciate for the people buried there, but Sure, sure. Hmm. As long as they're not being spooky. As long as they're not being spooky. We did find the little girl's grave. Mm-hmm. Um did she say hey? She didn't. I didn't bring her a gift. Oh. I was a little here's the thing. I know she's supposed to be this nice ghost. My heart of hearts can't handle this. <laughs> I, I can't see a ghost. I can't do it. So we took a picture of it. You guys will be able to see it. We'll do a post of just like there are just dolls and stuffed animals and toys and just everything inside this one picket fence. That's a lot. It's, oh, my gosh. Do you want to know something cool about dolls? <laughs> always. Remember Andy the Brink Brinker? Mm-hmm. Of Brink? Yes. He's the voice of Sid in Toy Story. No. I know. No. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> now the next time you watch it, you're going to have a crush on Sid. It's going to be going to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> when he makes that Barbie legs with a fishing pole yeah. body. Yep. Mm. Ruined forever. That's not fair. <laughs> I think he actually grew up to get a regular job and be a normal human. Huh. Good cool. for him. Yeah. Yeah. He was a hottie. <laughs> that Sid <it>. was not. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. He was a little fucked up. Oh, my God. <sighs> so was I. <laughs> but you lived. I lived. So we get up there. We're at these picket fences and you can see the road that we drove up. Mm-hmm. So we walked a half a mile for fucking nothing. Only to make it spookier, apparently. The spirits were just all aligned that day. <laughs> um, so we we go to the entrance because we're like, of course, we need to see the actual entrance. And that's much shorter. <laughs> um, you went in the secret private back we way. We went in the secret private back way. Nice. Yes. Good times. We get back into the car like two minutes later. It is a torrential downpour and lightning (laughs) all around us just surrounding us it's intense it was intense (laughs) it was really great my mom actually called us while we were walking up to the like up the trail and Mm -hmm. she's like hey what are you doing can you talk and I'm like hey I'm just walking to a haunted cemetery (laughs) she's like I'll call you back (laughs) 
I don't want any part I don't need of this. Any of this? That's okay. You're weird. <laughs> it was, that was that was a great time. So after all of that, I get to work the next day. Stuff is moving on my desk. Stuff is tipping over. I don't like it. Should have brought a toy. I don't. I should have brought a toy. She was pissed off. I go to the gym. The light is flickering in a constant spooky movie flicker. <laughs> I am cursed. I have brought it with me. I don't know how to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> we need to go back to that cool witch apothecary. That's um, what we in need Ogden to do. Valley and get you sage brushed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they really call it. Sage? Is it just saged? It's just saged. They don't want to brush you with it. It's on fire a little. It's true. They had the most beautiful little sage bundles, and I asked the lady. Does this still help my house if I don't burn it? Because it's so pretty. It's just pretty. And she was like, actually, probably no. Oh. How much is a bummer? But they're beautiful. We could hope. Something's got to help us. <laughs> Something <laughs> is hell around here. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to watch Moana. Yeah. It's the only thing to get me through is. Well, after all of this week, I can't. It's too much. It was too much. This <laughs> week was intense, you guys. I don't know if you remember from what we said last week. We're talking about spooky movies based off of maybe true events this week. And it's been upsetting as hell. Liz was brave. I didn't do it on purpose. I we, We'll tell you as we go through our movies what we did, but Liz sent me her list and I just sat there and went, I don't know why you're doing this to yourself. That would have been cool if you'd sent that back. I... You thought I knew what I was committed. talking about. I, 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 I assumed you at least had an idea. I read... Three separate articles who said that the movie I was watching was the scariest horror movie ever. Yeah. Why would I do that? I don't know. Liz, I don't know. I get scared in the Brave Little Toaster when the air conditioner starts to yell at us. I know. I was not prepared (laughs) for this. It's a lot. Okay. It's okay. okay. We're going to talk about them today. We're going to move past it. It's all going to be good. I watched some real garbage movies. Nice. Week. We we were at the cabin up in Island Park and tried to watch spooky movies and I didn't get spooked. I kind of just laughed the whole time. Good, because I don't want to be spooked in the woods. No, that was a bad plan. I don't know why we thought that was a good idea, but it was my idea. Uh, I hate it. I hate it. I didn't like it. It's a bad I didn't idea. particularly like it when Haunted I thought about cemetery it. Cemetery lady. I, I don't mm. trust your judgment. You should never trust my judgment. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a Here, given by now. Drink this. You'll like You'll it. You'll love it. Worst <laughs> headache of my life. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good stuff. I'm a second guess everything with cucumber in it for the rest of my life. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a Wait second. Just one minute. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh my gosh, I thought I was hearing church bells inside my brain. How else are we going to be the drunken ladies who go on like a sky observatory tour? No, (laughs) that's the only way that that happens. We are notorious. Yep, and it was the best. It was a good time. It was a really good tour. It was a really good tour. (laughs) He did a really good job. He did. Okay, you guys. So, I'm going to go first this week. And I'm going to talk about the Amityville Horror. The Smiley Face House. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a... Is it the little rotary telephone toy with the eyes that blink? Yeah. That's what the house looks like. That's what the house looks like. (laughs) Looks like it's going to blink at you. And just so we all know, I'm just going to say this up front. That is what the original house looked like. We'll get into it a little bit, but it did have like... 
it looked like eyes staring at you. Like the symmetry of it made it, it was a Mr. Potato Head house. It was super was. It was, it's wild to look at. Okay, so we'll talk about the movies in a minute, but what I want to talk about is the original murders behind this and what actually inspired the movies. Let's jump back in time to 1974. To 112 Ocean Avenue, specifically in Long Island, New York. Awesome. Pre Snooky. Yes. Pre. Wait, <laughs> she's from New Jersey. That's not uh, even. That doesn't close. work. Yeah. Sorry. sorry, no, sorry Long Island. I probably hurt your feelings. Uh, it hurts a little bit. Okay. At 3:15 a.m., the little suburb of Amityville slumbered quietly in their beds, unaware of the evil occurring in the colonial-style home of the DeFeo family. Ronald Butch DeFeo Jr. prowled around the house, shotgun in hand, and shot every single member of his family. He did it methodically, and he did it while all of them were asleep in their beds. The body count was six people in total, including his parents, his two younger brothers, and his two younger sisters. So he's the oldest out of the whole gang of children. Oh my gosh. Here's the wild thing nobody heard anything see i'm i've heard this story on true crime podcast and that part never makes any sense to me i don't get it it's a shotgun it's a shotgun shotguns are loud yeah it's a loud situation other than like i don't know like an automatic weapon it's got to be like the loudest gun right i did makes no sense to me it doesn't click i don't i don't get it and it doesn't fire quickly it's like a big fat boom it's a whole situation knock you on your ass right you don't silence it it's no, a shotgun. It's a shotgun. That really, that kind of blows my mind. It blows my mind every single time. Don't get it. But no, like none of the family woke up. He had six different people to go shoot. He had different rooms that he had to go to. None of them woke up. And it's a big house, but it's not like they're like two blocks away. No, you're going to hear a shotgun if somebody, yeah. if it goes off in the house at all. Yeah. It's, it's going to happen. And not only that, none of the neighbors heard anything. That doesn't make sense. Which doesn't make sense. They're in a suburb. It's a quiet place. But I, I don't know why I keep getting hung up on it because, I mean, this is the part of the story that's absolutely true. They were right. dead people who were killed with a shotgun. Right. But it's weird. It's weird. It's wild. How does nobody hear it? How does nobody hear it? Blows my mind. There are some theories as to why, one of which included that his sister Dawn was in on the plot at first and then he just decided to kill her anyways. Um, and that makes sense for maybe why the family doesn't wake up. Maybe they did something to the family. Was she the oldest sister? If she I'll look was, that up. <laughs> if she was, she probably had to plan everything. And then he took all the credit. That's what oldest sisters That's do. That's what oldest sisters do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that doesn't even even if that's true. And we can't say for sure, because what would her planning it or participating? How would that possibly make it so they all couldn't hear? Right. How would the neighbors not hear? Like if they drugged the family? Sure. I get the yeah. family not hearing. But how does that stop the whole neighborhood from doing it's it? It's weird. It just doesn't make sense. I don't I don't get it. OK, after the carnage was over, Butch went to a bar and told everyone that his entire family had been murdered. Everybody. And he blamed it on the mob originally, because that makes sense. Right, right. That's how that goes. The mob. The mob definitely did it. Mm -hmm. Eventually, he fesses up and he was sentenced 
and charged with six counts of second-degree murder that totaled out to six 25-to-life prison terms to be carried out. That's a long time. That's a long time, but that was also a lot that he did. Yeah. It just... Oof. He actually pretty recently died in prison. He'd never made it out, never got paroled. He died in prison. I mean, how do you recover your character from that kind of an experience? You just don't, right? Like, I think you're pretty much, you're marred for life at that point. So, the next question on my mind, why did he do it? Why did he do it? Was there any reason for it? During the trial process, Butch said that he heard voices that told him he needed to kill his family. That feels a little far-fetched. That doesn't, I, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. There were also rumors that the home was built on an ancient burial ground. And maybe that it was haunted by spirits and that's who he heard. Eh. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I mean, most likely they were built on somebody's something. Oh, for sure they're built on something. We all are at this point. It's just, it is what it is. There were also rumors that the house had ties to Satanism. Oh, I hope so. (laughs) Probably did. (laughs) So the the thought was that it was a residence of John Ketchum. No. That definitely got disproved. He wasn't in this home. That doesn't make sense. So none of these really hold up under scrutiny. Eventually, the story that Butch tells the world is that his family life was a gigantic dumpster fire. His father was an abusive asshole to wife and children. And honestly, most things in the home sounded like they were settled with a fight. Butch was just angry and he was prone to turn to drugs and heavy drinking as an outlet. Likely both of those played a role on the night he killed his family. Mm. Makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. It's tragic. Like, it may, it breaks my heart that he had to go through something like that growing up. Just definitely 100% absolutely not the right avenue to take care of it. No, no. That's very, very bad. It's not good. <laughs> it's not a good problem-solving move. No. And honestly, not a take-backable one. Right. That one's pretty permanent. Yeah. That's that's a permanent decision there. With children? You're, yeah. Yeah. That. Have fun in lots of jail. He 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 did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're done with him. Let's talk about the infamous Lutz family because they're the ones we're really interested about as well because jump to just a little over a year later. That's fast. It's really fast. And George and Kathleen Lutz are touring the house. And immediately they know it's a bargain. Sure. $80,000 was stretching oh their budget. Yes, let me repeat that. $80,000 was the asking price for this house. That offends me. It's not fair. Deeply. It's just not fair. Oh my gosh. Sorry, anyone who's looking to buy a home that we had to let you hear that. My deepest apologies. You're, you're not going to spend $80,000 for a home. Just no. just so we're clear about that. You might spend that much bribing someone to let you buy a home. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I think that's how that works. I'll give you a little 80000 on the side to say that my bid wins. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. Mm-hmm. $80,000 was stretching their limit. But you got to think about it. There's a pool. There's a boathouse. This house is basically like a mini mansion. This it's is pretty fancy. big. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, there's maybe some like work to do on it. But overall, the house is a gem and it's a steal at 80000 Which is Perfect setup for their TLC show. Oh, about for sure. Flipping haunted, flipping murder haunted houses. murder houses. 
which may or may not be a real show. I think we're going to have to figure that out. I think I think it's a real I show. I feel like that's real. In my heart, that feels <laughs> There's no real. way it's not. It's a great idea. It's a really good idea. <laughs> TLC, if no one has done it, we have a bid for you. <laughs> Let us pitch this idea. Oh, my goodness. So they had just gotten married and were ready to start things fresh. And this seemed like just the house to settle themselves. Kathy's three children, she was recently divorced, by the way. Her husband was not murdered, as the movies lead us to believe. And their dog, Harry. I'll move into the house. Harry. Harry. Harry's so cute. The realtor did warn them that the house was ultimately a murder house. Right, right. It caused them a little bit of pause, but in the end, they're not that worried about it and they decide that this is worth it yeah nbd sagebrush it for sure for sure for sure sagebrush the house (laughs) we'll be totally fine we'll be totally fine (laughs) um so they say yes actually what george says in the movies i don't know if he says this in real life but in the movies he says houses don't have memories cursed it cursed it for sure he's gonna eat his words so fucking fast Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so fast probably never would have been haunted if he just kept his mouth shut if he would have just shut the hell up (laughs) everything would have been fine like if i wouldn't have gone to the cemetery everything would have been fine probably probably we ask for the trouble we get sometimes Mm, that's true (laughs) okay so they were on the same page as you though When they move into the house, they decide some precautions need to be taken. You don't just ignore that bad juju. No. No. That's dumb. So they scheduled to have a priest come and bless the house just just in case. That makes it spookier. It does make it spookier. Priests do not subtract spooky. They are a plus spooky. They are plus one spooky. Plus one spooky modifier. Absolutely. Yep. Anyway, so they decide to add spooky factor, but thinking that it's going to help them. So Father Pecorero, his name was changed in the book, by the way, and the movies to save him some modicum of privacy. Is Pecorero the real one or the fake one? The real one. <laughs> the real one. Father Pecorino. Pecorino. Yes. So that's his real name. He goes by a pseudonym in the books and the movies thinking, hey, people might not know who I am and I might still be able to like live a normal life. It didn't work out. People know who he is. Father Parmesan. Parmesan Reggiano. They'll never guess. Never. <laughs> Pasta sounds good right now. I love a cheese. <laughs> I do too. So he arrives on December 18th, 1975 as everybody's unpacking and attempts to carry out a blessing. But it doesn't take much holy water for a deep voice spirit to tell him to get the fuck out. Spirits are such modern cursors. I know. I don't think the spirit actually said fuck, but it was implied. Oh, it says it in mine. Oh, yeah. The demons swear and, and like like a teenager. And they, they should sound older, I feel like, if they're from the depths of hell. Well, I guess because this one's, like, supposed to be, like, haunted by the guy who shot all of his family in the family. So they're not that oh, much older. that's true, that's so true. So it could work, theoretically. So he's told to get out. And he does. He's not messing around with this without saying anything. He leaves. Until a few days later, that is, when he tries to call Kathy to warn her. He just bounced. He just bounced. He just left. <laughs> it was too much for him. He's not saying goodbye. He just pieces out. Doesn't say a word. <laughs> Doesn't do anything. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> you could at least just like go Pecorino to the backyard. Romano. <laughs> just bail. Leave a note on a postie. 
That would have been the move. Wow. You're not, you cannot tell me that there's not a piece of paper and a pen somewhere. Did not finish. Creepy as fuck. (laughs) You guys should leave. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So he does try to call Kathy later, like a few days later and Mm -hmm. warn her. But the message doesn't really make it through because the phone is so staticky. She can't make out anything he's saying. In the movie, the 1970s version, she does like this thing that always makes me laugh where she keeps like hanging up the phone and going, hello, hello, hello. Why did they do that? Why did they do that? That's a big thing. It must have meant something. It must have. But but it's from such old phone culture that I don't I know don't what understand it, is. it, but it always makes me laugh. So Father Pecorero says after leaving the house, he developed what looked like an occurrence of stigmata. And that's so he basically developed blisters, high fever. It was just this like. I thought stigmata was like the. Jesus. Yes, it is. Marks. And so it's like the Jesus mark. So he got blisters on his hands. Oh, okay. And he got like, so it was just all of this stuff. Like he encountered evil and it was like showing physically. Showing physically. Well, maybe it wouldn't have you finished your job. Maybe. Don't chicken out next time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I would have. I can't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't choose to be a mystical priest. I didn't, but I did choose to go visit a haunted cemetery. That's so true. I think I have the same tendency. That's true. That's true. It's a problem. I take it all back. <laughs> it's a problem. Oh, my goodness. Okay. For a while, the Lutz family, they didn't really notice much out of the ordinary themselves. But as the days went on, weird things ramped up. We're talking flies. All the time no and it's winter and it's swarms of them no it's just a lot of flies i'm i don't know no that alone would be like i can't take this anymore that's it thanks mm. thanks but no thanks I'm for the done. house that's a pass they also had the front door blown off from the inside supposedly later investigations say that that's kind of a whole shit story and isn't actually real oh um there's black stains on the toilet there's green slimes on the wall there's kathy waking up at 3 15 a.m levitating oh mm. 3 15 a.m let me remind you is when the murders happened originally in the house Ew. so that's that's how that kind of lines up Ew. yes there is a demon pig named jody <laughs> <laughs> No, there isn't. There is. <laughs> no, there isn't. Yeah. A demon pig named Jody. A demon pig named Jody. It's very specific. Jody, the head of the PTA. Uh huh. Jody. Jody. Also not biblical. Which just doesn't fit for a demon. What's the name of all the swine? Legion. We are instead of the same. <laughs> we are Jody. <laughs> we are Jody. Not as intimidating. No, not quite. We are Legion scares the shit scares out of me. Scares the hell out of me. Absolutely. Sup, we are Jody. Sup, we're Jody. <laughs> uh, we are Jody. Would you please preheat the oven to 350? <laughs> Jody's bringing a casserole. Jody's great. I've, I'm, I've turned around on Jody. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, that is depending on the sources, by the way. <laughs> I can't get over it. You know what we should say? <laughs> Demon pig named Joe. 
<laughs> that was the worst. Is that in the movie? So in the movie, it's supposed to be a little girl. So in the 1970s version, it's like this invisible girl rocking back and forth in the That's chair. That's terrifying. In the 2005 movie, it's there's an actual girl who plays Jody. Ew. Um, it was supposed to represent the girl who used to li- like one of the girls who used to live in the house, but no, like none of the siblings that DeFeo killed were actually named Jody. So that oh. doesn't fit. No. Um. It is actually said by some that uh, the daughter of the Lutzes had an imaginary friend named Jody. That's so different from being haunted. Very different. Very different. Still weird. Still when your kid starts talking to someone who's not there, but maybe less weird. Maybe a little less weird. Right. And it changes things a bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anyway, shit is getting intense. Yeah. Jody's in town. Um, And it just. It feels like a lot and their personalities, they all start to change, especially George's. George is kind of the dad. Yes. That is his name, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wait a second. George is very forgettable. Very forgettable. (laughs) (laughs) So as, as as they notice these changes, they're like, we should probably take a break for a bit. And they do leave for a little bit. They go stay at a relative's house. They decide to try and come back and maybe attempt to bless the house again. And this would be on the night that ends up being their very last night in the house. Shit goes crazy. Everything's weird. They decide that this is too much and they leave absolutely every single possession behind. And they get the fuck out after only 28 days in the house. Naked? Probably. (laughs) No, they they go with the clothes on their back. (laughs) It kind of blows my mind how long people are willing to stay in haunted houses. 28 days is a long time, especially with swarms of flies. Can you imagine just like you see a crazy, scary thing. Your kid's head turns all the way around on their shoulders and you're just like, this isn't real. Everyone go to bed. This is fine. I'm no. just levitating at 3.15 a.m. It's all good. I would be so out of there. Absolutely not. I would be done. It, like, seriously, day one, just swarms of flies constantly. I'm done. No, thank I'm you. Out. That's a no from me. <laughs> so weird. So after all of this and after they leave, what happens? Basically, what, com- what it comes down to is everybody says this is probably a hoax and... Yeah, you know, they they might not be wrong. Yeah, no one's believing Jody. No one's believing Jody. That's why she didn't even make it in the movies. Everyone True. would laugh. It would be who framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> it's super weird. Jody's obviously animated. Of course. Makes total sense. Total. I just, I can see it in my brain and it's just, it does ruin the whole thing. It doesn't work. <laughs> okay. So there are a few main theories about like why they might be full of shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so theory number one. Do you remember Butch DeFeo from the beginning? Mm-hmm. There are rumors that his lawyer and George and Kathy Lutz schemed this all up together as a money-making scheme while drinking some wine one night. It's plausible. Those plausible. are wine moves right mm-hmm. there. Those are big wine moves. Um, and I mean, it worked. Yeah, you look at what happened afterwards. A book is written. So many interviews happen. There's just so many press events, obviously movies. None of them are for free. No, of course not. And it's their story. So they're going to get credit. They're going to get money. Now that we've told this story, neither of us can can say our house is haunted for money, right? We've ruined it. I think we've ruined it. Fuck. Damn it. That was the way to get it going. 
I won't get myself haunted next time and I won't ruin things for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. The lawyer also did seem kind of sketchy. He there's like talk about how he might have thrown the case for Butch a little bit. I mean, Butch was in trouble. Butch, anyway. but Butch sure, wasn't. Sure. He tried for an insanity plea and it didn't work. Um, and there's just a lot of things that point to like, yeah, Butch deserved to go to jail, but also, his lawyer did a shit job. He wasn't really trying He wasn't that hard. doing a very good job. Mm-hmm. Potential theory number two. Nothing creepy happened to any of the families that moved into the house after the Lutz family left. Hmm. So even a whole group of news, like, casters, like, the anchors, the cameramen, and ghost hunters go to the house. And they're going to spend the night. They're going to try and see if they can get haunted. They don't. Nothing happens. It's pretty boring. Hmm. And yeah, sure, Ed Ed and Lorraine Warren did kind of buy into this a little bit. They actually did come and investigate the house and kind of felt like there was some legitimacy to the whole thing. But no one else really buys into it. There's also the idea that, like, the evil spirits followed the Lutz family wherever they went. That's not how it works. that's not how a haunting works. No. That's just not how this goes. A sad thing regardless, but especially sad if all of this was faked. The Lutz's eldest son is actually pretty traumatized from this entire thing. He bought into it in a big way. He thought that he oh had gosh. been haunted. Oh my gosh. He he just, he bought it. And it's really shitty of them if they truly did know that this wasn't real and were just throwing this out there for money. That they let their kids believe this to That's such a deep horrible. level. Reading more about George and Kathy, they didn't really come off as the greatest of people or just parents. They mm. probably shouldn't have had kids, but it is what it is. So they're perfect for the TLC show. For sure, for sure. Excellent. Yep, so we've we've got winners right there. <laughs> right there. <laughs> so that's pretty much it for the backstory of the movies. I did want to talk a little bit about the movies themselves since I did decide to watch both versions. Gross. Okay. Yeah, it was a fun time. Um, we already talked about Jody. So we talked a little bit about the look of the house, how it looked like it had a face and the eyes. Mm-hmm. So that we talked about how that was real. That changed down the line. The one of the subsequent owners decided that he was kind of sick of all of the publicity, everybody coming over, of being, being like, the Amityville Oh my god, house. it's the Amityville house. Oh my gosh. So he had a whole renovation situation done. And the house, the windows don't look nearly like that at all anymore. He even changed the address because he was like, I'm pretty sick of this bullshit. Feels fair. It does feel fair. Feels fair. Unfortunately, that address is also published online, so Sorry, oh, poor people. Uh, he's, he's never, he's never going to get out of this. So the next thing that I decided to talk about was the fact that you guys should definitely watch the 70s version. That one is more in line with the quote unquote real story. Mm-hmm. If those events that I talked about, they're pretty much acted out in the whole 70s movie. The 2005 one, not so much. It was bad. It was it was bad. <laughs> it was not good. And it had Ryan Reynolds. It was it like, I love Ryan Reynolds. That's hard to believe. It should be good. But like, the movie just got everything wrong. It just wasn't good. It was so poorly done. And then we got to the end of the movie and it all made sense, Liz. Why? It's a Michael Bay movie. Oh, no. <laughs> Why? 
It's a Michael Bay movie. What was he doing with this? There's not a Transformer to be found. There are no Transformers to be found. And you know what? He's Michael Bay. Surprisingly, there's not even a booby to be found. No, no boobies. No boobies. There no are slow motion boobies. We definitely got a sex scene, but the 70s gave us more boobies than the 2005 version did. Michael Bay. Uh, Somebody's showing you up, bud. It's true. Not to challenge you or anything. But uh, you even you even got the like, what's the word I'm looking for? Advantage of coming out second. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You still... You lost. But the sex scene in the 70s one is so bad. <laughs> it's so not good. It's not like think Top Gun, but more awkward. That's impossible. It's possible. Oh, no. This one is not good. So just be prepared for that. And you get to see it all in this like weird 70s mirror that has like gold applique all over no it. No way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a good time. That's horrible. <laughs> it's, it's not good. <laughs> I also want to talk about, like, Ryan Reynolds' portrayal versus James Brolin, because James Brolin did a pretty good job of, like, portraying a man who was going, like, in and out of this, like, weird personality change. Mm -hmm. He portrayed it pretty well. (sighs) Ryan Reynolds. I love you, Ryan Reynolds. But, Ryan, we hate you in this movie. Oh, no. Ryan? First of all, he's just, it's really hard to separate Ryan. He is a comedic actor. He just is. And this serious role just didn't quite sue him. It is early in his career. But also, this is this is a deciding factor. This is why we like James Brolin better than um, Ryan Reynolds. Okay. In James Brolin's version, as they're leaving the house and the haunting, creepy shit is currently actively happening. The family leaves, but then they realize that they've forgotten the dog. Oh, no. James Brolin goes back into the house amidst all the haunting situations, gets the dog out of there, and leaves, and everything is good. Ryan Reynolds, on the other hand, kills the dog. Why? He fucking what? kills the dog. Because he's going through all these mental things. He kills the dog. That doesn't seem necessary. No, it does not. I don't like it. I, I don't like it one bit. I don't like it one bit. The last thing that I'm going to talk about is... I have a question. Who actually has apostrophes in their magnet letter collection? Uh, no, t- teachers? Maybe. These guys do. So in the 2005 version, they really played into the whole like Satanism thing and that this was like the Ketchum house. So it says, Ketchum, kill him. And it's M with like E-M, an apostrophe in front of the E. Mm-hmm. And it's all spelled out in magnetic letters on the fridge. Mm-hmm. I just, nobody has apostrophes in their at-home magnetic letter And it doesn't come with that many E's. No, absolutely not. You can never, there's never plenty of vowels. Mm. It's always tricky, tricky. It's all, you've got to, you've got to get really, really creative there. I don't know. All I know is I saw that and I just thought they were making a Pokemon reference and I was expecting (laughs) to see Gotta Catch Em All. Gotta Catch Em All. It didn't happen. There are other weird things. There's like a weird babysitter situation where the like babysitter in the old one is this adorable little girl who has like gigantic headgear. And in the new one, she's like this weird adult who's hitting on this young child and is like wearing like all of these like like you don't it's a babysitter. You don't come in like a super high crop top. I just don't feel like that happens. And you don't actively sit on the bed of the babe of the child that you're trying to babysit and like 
sexily whisper spooky stories about what happened in the house. <laughs> no. It's just really weird and awkward, and I did not enjoy it. <laughs> The 2005 version sucked. End of story. That's Amityville Horror. Ta-da! Ta-da! Good job. Yay. Mm, okay. Don't get freaked out. It's totally fine. It's gonna be fine. The first movie that I watched was... <laughs> the Exorcist. I... I just... Liz, why? I just... You see... You see, like, clips of it all the time. I thought, well, that's... Well known and thusly less scary. No, I was very no. incorrect about that. <laughs> you know, I had seen uh, some documentary talking about the girl who played Reagan in The Exorcist and how it like ruined her life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know why I didn't like think, oh, then it's a scary movie. That must mean it's not. It, it's not going to be happy. I did not put it all together. <laughs> so I was afraid. <laughs> and let me tell you, <laughs> jeez. I don't know why I picked these ones. Okay. In 1973, okay, the horror movie The Exorcist comes out. It's an adaptation of William Peter Blatty's novel by the same name. Okay. Blatty was inspired by the experience of a young boy from Cottage City, Maryland, Robbie, um, in 1949, and the Loudon Exorcisms of 1634. Okay. So two very different things. Yes. Um, He said later that he wrote the novel... It's interesting that he said this because the churches were really mad after it came out. Oh, no. (laughs) But he wrote it to scare a generation into going back to church. Oh. Like, the devil is very scary. And it is in this film. It is in this film. Very much so. Oof. But I've seen Lucifer and um, I'm voting for that one. Same. (laughs) (laughs) He plays the piano. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Is there nothing he can't do? Nothing. Nothing. Hmm. Uh, when Blatty was in college in Georgetown, he attended a lecture about exorcisms, which included Roland's story. Um, he's a little boy from the first experience. Okay. The professor had a copy of one of the priest's diaries that Blatty was able to get a copy of, one of the ex- ex- exorcism priests. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also interviewed Reverend William Bowdern, who was involved in the exorcism. And from that information, he got the story to create Reagan. So the girl from the movie. Okay. Robbie, who we've since found out since he's passed away, was actually Ronald Hunkler. Um, was 14, had an Aunt Harriet who was a spiritualist. And mm. um, Ronald had mentioned to her that he was interested in checking out a Ouija board. Okay. Uh, so she gave him one first birthday. Oh. Um, and the Ouija board is what gets um, the girl in the movie into trouble as well. Yes. But it wasn't a huge deal. He just got first birthday, whatever. Yeah. After his aunt Harriet passed away, Ronald's family starts to experience some really weird paranormal shit. Okay. Ronald acts weird. Ooh. Um, spooky shit like vibrations mm. strange noises flying objects and levitation there's that levitation no, levitation is an everything mm-hmm. blady says in his book that this is the first stage of classical possession oh he calls it infestation well that's gross it's gross as hell <laughs> oh no this guy's into weird shit um, Ronald's German Lutheran parents called everybody they could think of, all the experts they could find to try to figure out what was going on. Um, but it all led them nowhere until finally they call Father E. Albert Hughes, who was the local Catholic priest. Um, and he came over to perform an exorcism in February of 1949. 
The exorcism was called early. I guess this is just a thing priests do. Do they just give up? Are <laughs> <laughs> they just like, eh, something kind of happened? So, no, nope. even a, though this is what I'm here for, bite. Asta. <laughs> um, the exorcism was called early after Ronald tore a piece of the mattress spring from the bed and chucked it at Father Hughes. I mean, I'll be honest, I wouldn't be stoked that that was happening, but I don't feel like that's quite the moment to be like, I'm done. <laughs> is there hazard pay involved? Right. A few days later, Ronald started showing up with red scratches on his body. Ooh. One was a big X, which was supposed to signify that there were 10 demons inside his little body. Oh. And then later he had scratches spelling out the word Lewis. Oh. In the movie, her scratches spell out help me. I don't like that. Just substantially more upsetting. Yeah, it is. His family followed the Lewis clue to St. Louis University and Father Walter H. Halloran and Reverend William Bowden, who came home with them to throw exorcism redo. Ronald turned out to be fine in the end, though. Oh, good. All this stuff works out. He grows up to be a NASA engineer who helped with the moon landing in 1969. Shut up. That's so cool. Isn't that crazy? Totally well adjusted. (laughs) Somehow you come back from that. Uh, he, He died from a stroke in 2020 when he was 85 years old at his home in Marriott'sville, Maryland. Well, after all the haunting shit, that yeah. sounds like a good life. Turned out okay. The other story, the Loudon possessions. Mm-hmm. Listen. Oh, my God. These babes. Okay. <laughs> the Loudon possessions occurred to a group of nuns who said that they had been possessed after having sexy dreams <laughs> about a haughty priest Ooh. named Urbane Grandier. Oh, my goodness. When the Holy Harem was possessed, <laughs> they shouted blasphemous shit and made sexual, mo- quote, sexual quote. motions oh, no. towards the haughty priest. And this um, is a significant scene in the Exorcist movie. Um, they, call it, they call it the crucifix scene on the Internet. But, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. She, the, yeah. the girl speaking in the weird, gross, possessed voice and mm-hmm. starts making some graphic sexual motions at the priest. Ugh. And oh, it's so gruesome. I don't like it. She's because she's like a little girl and she's a 12 year old girl in a nightgown. Yes. And she's like holding her nightgown up and saying, fuck me. Fuck me. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. I'm really sorry I said that. (laughs) It's upsetting. And that's the story it comes from. Oh, my. Okay. The haughty priest tried to exercise the nuns to get out of being blamed for their possession. That's fair. Yeah. He tested them by speaking in Greek, since possessed people can understand and speak in languages that the possessed person isn't supposed to know. I just thought you were going to say possessed people just automatically know how to speak Greek. Like, yes. that, that's a thing. <laughs> the language of the hell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it didn't work because the lusty nuns had been coached to say that they made a pact not to speak Greek. Oh, yeah. convenient. <laughs> Feels fair. <laughs> Grandier, the haughty priest, was unable to prove he wasn't responsible and he was arrested and tortured. Ooh. At this point, some of the lusty nuns feel like the game had gone on for too long and they spoke up in defense of the priest. Well, yeah. But the authorities took that for more work of the devil. Of course. He's a mischievous dude. Uh, the only solution was to burn the haughty priest at the stake. Uh, that solved it. Uh, does it wild that like the women i know usually ladies gossip ladies get burned yes Uh, so it was kind of or killed kind of shocking that they started a mess and then this guy burned one point for feminism (laughs) one one small dot (laughs) one one 
uh, moat, moat time. One time for feminism. <laughs> it happened. It happened. Gross. Ugh. Do we uh, take a break from all of this madness and insanity for just a second? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's take a quick break. Um, I don't know. Go grab a, a, a rosary. Jeez, Catholicism's mystical as hell. It sure is. Uh, get sagebrushed. See you back here. Love you. Bye. Friends, before I get into this mess, I want to tell you a funny thing that I saw today. <laughs> <laughs> so I needed a break from the world that is work and walked outside and looked at my social media because that's my life. And I saw a post and it was somebody saying, I don't know why y'all are so scared of chupacabras. They're adorable as hell. No, I are not. They had a picture of capybaras. Capybaras? <laughs> they are cute. They are adorable. They are cute as hell. They were not wrong, but they were wrong about what they're called. Oh my. So, that was that was my spooky funny story of the day. It was really good. They don't look a thing like a chupacabra. Not at all. They're so cute. And they're adorable. Oh my gosh. That's really... I don't know why nobody... Why is everybody so afraid of... I don't get it. <laughs> Guys, come on. No, you don't. You you, you don't get you it. You really don't get it. <laughs> Go back. I understand. Capybara is not super common. No. So, I get it. And I guess chupacabra, capybara... It's, it's not even like the same cultural no, phenomenon. it's not. How interesting. <laughs> Who's just coming across pictures of cap? How'd they find it? Did they Google capybara and get mad about chupacabras? Maybe. Is this a weird autocorrect? Maybe. Have you ever tried to type capybara into your phone? I'm going to try it now. (laughs) (laughs) It was a good time. I had a good giggle. (laughs) And that's to lighten the mood before we talk about my next one. Gross. Okay. Have you ever seen Borderland? No. No. And so for those of you that I know are thinking I said Borderlands, plural, I did not. That game franchise is great. The movie is not. I also haven't seen that. I'll trust you. There's gears on the cover. That's not important. I don't know what the cover looks like. I've only ever played it on Steam. Mm, I don't. I'll report back. (laughs) (laughs) So the inspiration behind this movie is gruesome, intense, but it is Kind of interesting in a morbid type of way. It's fascinating. It's gross as hell. It's gross as hell. So, Alfonso Constanzo. We're <laughs> going to talk about him. Sorry, that's not funny. It's not funny. So, let me... I'm going to read my little um, warning here. Let me start by saying this section of the episode gets dark and gross. So, if you don't want to listen a bit about a cult that started making its way into human sacrifice... I would skip ahead about 10 minutes. But on the flip side, I'm only going to go a baby bit into this whole topic in general. So mm-hmm. I highly recommend listening to episodes 330 and 300 to 332 of the last podcast on the left. They did an excellent job. It's disturbing as hell what they talk about, but they go into really in-depth analysis of this whole thing. As they do. As they do. And it's, it's a big story. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really great. It's really great. It's not, I mean, it's not great. It's horrible, but they did a great job. Yeah. 
Okay. That, that thing. That thing. <laughs> that order. <laughs> so Alfonso, he was originally born in the United States and specifically in Miami, Florida. He was raised Catholic, so he had kind of a religious upbringing in general. But then eventually he goes to Haiti with his mom and he starts branching out into some of the ideas of voodoo. Okay. Um, he doesn't really embrace it. It's not really his thing, but it kind of opens his eyes to the fact that there's more things out there yeah for him to go explore like it's not just catholicism anymore it's there's there's more things that feel more visceral and real to him Mm -hmm. after moving around a little bit more alfonso comes back to miami and becomes the apprentice to a sorcerer in the area (laughs) (laughs) and i'm not talking disney channel here this is not the happy vibes we should be getting oh i'm sorry i know but Nicolas Cage would still be in the movie because he has to pay a lot of taxes. Oh, for sure, for yeah, sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So they decide to start practicing their own take on a religion called Pelo Mayombre, which they, they definitely don't follow it closely necessarily, but they take some ideas from it that they like and they run with those. Okay. So this practice that they start doing it does include animal sacrifice during this time he does get in trouble fairly regularly with the law and it it does include drug trafficking situations but in spite of all of this somehow somehow he manages to graduate from high school he's still a child he's still a child oh boy he's a baby at this point oh wow apprentice to a sorcerer at like 17 in my dreams, minus the killing minus things. Minus the killing things, for sure. The other kind. The other but I'd like some that. magic in my life. Absolutely. So, after he's done with school, he later moves down to Mexico and meets the guys who will be his entourage during what will be his really defining years. And these men are Martin Quintana, Jorge Montez, and Omar Rea. They got big into the magic business. They started casting spells of good luck that required animal sacrifice to actually be successful. Some sacrifices even include lion cubs. The idea was the bigger the animal, the better the luck. And that just hurts my heart that lion cubs just in general came into this. It's like only assholes can have lions. Right. And none of us should have lions. None of us should have lions. Which is my official opinion. Which is why only assholes have them. But if anybody gets to have a lion, it should be like, probably me. Because it would be really cool. It would be really cool. These guys suck. These guys are the worst. Little baby lions. Little baby lions. It's awful. It's terrible. Eventually, though, they become especially popular with, like, just drug cartels around the area, hitmen in the area, and just general fancy pants people. Well, they need luck, I guess. They need all the luck they can get. I just can't. (laughs) Fancy fans people being... Can I purchase some magic? I would like to buy a magic, please. One magic, please? (laughs) One magic for me. (laughs) Where where do we get those now? Uh, Etsy. That's where we get these now. Yes. We need to do an Etsy search. The farmer's market. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) One spell, please. Thank you. How did that work? Is it just like they choose what spell you get or do I get to choose what I want? I feel like gross vibes come if you exchange for money. So it must be like a barter situation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or some sort of oath. Okay. Um, because cash for magic just feels like a bad path. That does feel like a bad path. Yeah. 
It's a bad path here. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. So as he's doing all of this, part of part of Alfonso's belief system is that the power he has comes from his Nganga, which is basically a cauldron that holds important, quote unquote, sacrifice artifacts and spirits of the dead. And from what I, if I remember right, this Nganga becomes so big that it's like a giant pit in the ground. Pretty much. It's huge. It's, it's gigantic. It's, it's a huge, huge thing. Yeah. So at this point, he's still just an animal sacrifices, but eventually Alfonso decides that animals aren't just going to cut it anymore. It doesn't give the power that he needs. So Alfonso starts grave robbing to get people parts to use in his Nganga to make it just that much more stronger. And this just starts to escalate to the point that Alfonso and gang believe that what their Nganga really needs very specifically, is the brain of an American student. They need, a, they need a smart brain? They need a smart brain. Okay. They need a smart brain? And I can't say I've never thought of it. Not, not sacrificing one, but how does one obtain a smart brain? How does one get a smart brain? Yeah. This There's, doesn't feel like the way to do it. This is a way. And this is a way. I yeah. think it's the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> but this is actually where the idea of the movie comes in. So by 1989, Alfonso had made it big with the cartels in the area, and he knew it. He tried to partner up with some of the big cartels' family, and when they denied him, some of their family members might have just gone mysteriously missing and then found with missing body parts later. Eventually, he landed with the Hernandez brothers. He had escalated the level of sadism in his human sacrifices by this point as well. Things were just brutal. It was ugly. It was not good. On March 13th, 1989, Alfonso's crew abducted a pre-med student named Mark Kilroy outside of a bar in Mexico, planning for him to be the supply of the aforementioned brain to be given to the Nganga. Kilroy is ultimately killed. Alfonso's ranch gets raided, and the Nganga is found with various things, including a human brain. Kilroy's body was also found along with another 15. 15, which is probably only a drop in the bucket of just everything that this person did. Gruesome. It's not good. Alfonso, of course, runs like hell, but eventually the police catch up to him. When they do, Alfonso's not, he's just not going to be taken. That's not his style. That's not what he wants to do. It's, he's just done. So he actually tells one of his henchmen to shoot him. And that's, that's the end of him. And they, and they did. They did. Some oh. of the some of his henchmen actually like ended up alive and arrested, arrested, and, and all of that. But he and I think one other person ended up getting shot. Like he ordered this one person to shoot him and the other person that was with him when they ran away. Okay, that's how he gets out of it, <sighs> and that's the inspiration. So uh, let's get to the movie. It's so bad. <laughs> it's just so. It's so bad. And I just, I wanted it to be good because, like, okay, I decided to watch the movie before I was going to do research on this just because that felt, I don't know why that felt right, but that felt right to me. Sure. This movie actually had a 10 rating on Rotten Tomatoes. No, it didn't. It only had eight reviews. But I didn't see that beforehand, and so I'm like, oh, it's highly rated. It's probably got to be at least okay. It's like those people who bought a chair on Amazon and then it got to their house. It was a Barbie chair. Yeah. 
<laughs> yep. That's what this feels like. Five this is the Barbie chair of count. movies. Oh my gosh. It's, um, <laughs> yeah. So I also had high hopes because it has Sean Hunter. Yeah. It's Boy Meets World and Samwise Gamgee. Oh, sweetie, make nerd faces. They're boys who send you romantic letters. They are. They're the ones who just make your heart throb. But all I really got from this movie is that it turns out that the true preference of Samwise Gamgee is drugs, murder, and a terrible, terrible shell necklace. (gasps) He wouldn't. He would. A A shell necklace. It's not good. It's not good. Sam. Sam went downhill. Oh, you no. you were doing better with Frodo. Just. Mm. What a bummer. It is a bummer. Who was Sean? Sean. Okay. I'm just going to cap this off by everybody was wildly unlikable. Even Sean. Oh, no. So. so um, Shit. What's his name? Um, Ryder Strong. Uh-huh. He plays. Sean Hunter. Sean Hunter. Who <laughs> <laughs> cares what his actual he name is? Who cares what his name is? He actually played the college student. Who the was supposed brain. to be? Yeah, he was supposed to sacrifice his brain for the Nganga. Oh, um, he did pre med pre Sean. Well, in this one, they basically all just say we're we're all kind of done with school. We can all go take a break and like fuck around. They are the shittiest people. They're the <laughs> shittiest. Like you don't care about any of them. They all suck. Even Sean sucks. What a bummer. Yeah, it's not. It's not great. It's not great. And then. Sean Astin, who, you know, Samwise Gamgee, mm-hmm. he actually plays one of the henchmen. He's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He's a baddie. Oh, no. He just, this wasn't his greatest role. That's why they had to give him a shell necklace. That is why. like, dress him up. He can't do this. We, it's true. He's he, a good guy. He was too pure. He was too pure. I just, the beginning was rough. The beginning was the scariest part for sure because it actually portrayed one of these human sacrifices oh, so it's a, they they caught some cops and made one of the partners watch while they did this to oh my the other gosh. one it was intense and i was like oh boy i thought i knew what i was getting into but this is rough the rest of the movie so let me let me i watched this it was me Brian, roland and jess <laughs> Which was that's a, what I should have done. It was a real good combo. We uh, we laughed at a lot of this movie. We made fun of a lot of this movie. It was a uh, it was really bad. <laughs> it was not good. So I'm really sorry if there's any of you out there who love this movie. I I don't like it. You can love the Shans and not love this movie. That's true. You definitely can. Two. Two cute Shans. Cute as hell Shans. Oh, man. Mm. Two Shans and a shell necklace. (laughs) Gross. It's not good. (laughs) Okay. This is even worse than the last movie. This is a pretty pretty recent movie. Um, Let me tell you. So there's two daughters. They're just teenagers on the television. I don't know who they are. Mm. The mom is uh, Munch from... (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I do. Munch. Munch. Munch? Jeez, now I'm not sure what it is. From Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh-huh. Um, and Kevin Bacon's wife? Yes. What? Uh, uh, Kira Sedgwick. That's the name. That is a cool name. That is too. a great name. Uh, the dad is Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Okay. The dad from Supernatural. Yep. 
Mm. Hotter than both the suns, if you ask me. (laughs) 100%. Spot on. One attractive man. He is very good looking. Mm -hmm. As Liz would say, I would kiss him on the mouth. On the mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Like um, Bones. Yeah. The guy, he's in The Boys now. Oh, yeah. He's... He's a, he's a cute guy. He's mm. cute. he's an attractive man. That's true. He's, a, he's nice looking. Um, those are the parents. Okay. Okay. And they're split up. Mm. So not only is this situation going back and forth, um, like, is she possessed or not? But they're, they're, she's with two different parents. Makes okay. adds a different level of suspense. Here's the true story behind this. <laughs> you know how I found it? Huh. I was like, oh, let's read through this list of true stories about horror movies. And then this one at Post Malone. And I was like, that's it. Of course. And uh, I have some regrets. Not about Posty. Never. Never. About Posty. Never. But yes, about this film. <laughs> it all started with a listing on eBay. Oh, as it always does. This is amazing. <laughs> this is so beautiful. <laughs> the listing was for an old wine box. Smaller than a case of beer, decorated with two metal plates in the shape of grape clusters, containing two locks of hair, one granite slab, one dried rosebud, one goblet, two wheat pennies, one candlestick, and one dibek. Huh. That's a, that's a, an assortment. It is. Wow. It sold for nearly $300. Wow. The original seller, Kevin Manis, purchased the box from an estate sale in Oregon. It had belonged to a 103-year-old Holocaust survivor. Oh, wow. Yeah. When she passed away, her granddaughter was the executor and was in charge of this estate sale. So she tells us, um, when the woman came to the United States, she brought a steamer trunk, a sewing box, and this wine box. And the granddaughter in charge um, said that her grandmother had always been terrified of the box and told the family to never open it. Oh. Because it had a dibuk inside. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll tell you about what that is later. Okay, I was about to ask, but <laughs> Manus dropped the box off at his shop and went to run some errands. And while he was out, his employee called saying that someone was tearing up the place. Manus rushed back to find that the shop the shop was just in shambles, mm-hmm. and his employee quit that day and never came back. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Manus cleaned out the box and gave the beautiful antique to his mother for her birthday. Minutes later, she had a stroke. Oh, <laughs> she was left. Well, yeah, she was left unable to speak for a while after, but wrote him a short note saying, quote, hate gift. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Manis's life proceeds to go crazy. The FBI raided his shop and he never found out why. He lost his lease for the shop and someone stole his identity. Oh, my God. There's also a chance that Manis is just a crook. We're not sure. Mm. Uh, that just sounds a little suspicious. A little bit. Manis tried several more times to give the box away to friends and family. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> they all returned it to him, reporting creepy shit. What an asshole. Why I do you know. keep doing that? <laughs> the doors wouldn't stay closed. There was a weird smell of jasmine and urine. One returned it to his porch with a note saying, this has a bad darkness. Oh. Manis did not get the hint. <laughs> How many times does someone have to say bad gift before <laughs> things finally start to click? <laughs> then Manis himself started having horrible nightmares of his friends turning into demons and beating him terribly. Mm. He would wake up with bruises all over his body. Jeez. His family members who had taken the box started reporting having the same horrible nightmare. Then on Friday the 13th, of all, of days, all days, all 10 of Manis's aquarium fish died. 
weird. Honestly, aquariums kind of freak me out. Aquariums are kind of scary. So I was like creepy twice. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. Some people might find that very sad. And if you love your fish, that makes sense. Absolutely. Now the situation is sinking in for Manus, <laughs> but he's afraid that destroying the box could release the evil into the world or cause the spirit to continue haunting him forever. Ooh. He can't get anyone to take the box and the bad vibes from him, so he sells it to an unsuspecting fellow on eBay. That's just fucking rude. Um, one article said Losif with an L, another said I, which might be Yosef. Okay. Nietzsche. Um, um, a college student purchased the box for $140. Did it act, Did it even, like, mention that it was, like, haunted in the listing? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Then, you know what? He fucked up on his own. Yeah, he's just a dummy. Mm. Uh, in the seven months Losef owned the box, he and his roommates suffered injuries like broken fingers, bronchitis, swollen red eyes, insomnia, a house plagued with dead mice, oh. dying electronics, and Losef, at only 20 years old, started losing his hair. Jesus. <laughs> that... Is not a demon, Losef. <laughs> that is male pattern baldness. That is exactly what that is. Lots of people, regardless of gender or cursed object possession, lose their hair. That does happen. But if you want to use that as a reason on your Tinder profile, I can't stop you. Can I say that for why I'm losing hair now? <laughs> you have a uh, curse I have box. a curse upon me. When women say they have a curse box, I think it means something different. <laughs> <laughs> Especially on a Tinder profile. <laughs> Maybe in a different arena. I wonder how <laughs> I've been locked up, you know, in your heart-shaped curse box for a week. Speaking of, I heard a TikTok where they had separated the audio and just were doing the vocals from uh, 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 Teen Spirit. It smells like Teen Spirit. Uh-huh. There's a lot to say about Kurt Cobain. This isn't about him, but his voice is amazing. Mm, yes. Like, just so you guys know. <laughs> just so we are all aware. Just to account for that part. Yes. It just, so that's a, there's a lot of vocal skill involved there. Mm-hmm. Ooh, he could be an interesting episode. I'll put Ooh, that on the back okay. burner for y'all. Okay. The next wackadoodle to purchase the box was Jackson Haxton. <laughs> that's Sorry. not real. Jason Haxton. Oh my God. Okay. Let's leave it, Jackson. <laughs> Jason, a university museum curator <laughs> at the Still College of Osteopathic, Osteopathic, not pathetic, my bad, mm-hmm. Osteopathic Medicine Museum in Kirksville, Montana. Okay. That is, it doesn't fit on his business card. Not so he much. He has to change it to letters, I'm sure. I'm positive. Now he's the keeper of the creepy box. Mm. The day after the box got to Jason's office, he said, I woke up with my right eye looking like it had been poked. Oh, he has since been tired, has a metallic taste in his mouth. I've heard this means you're pregnant, um, Jason, mm. so maybe look into that one. Yes. Constant nasal congestion, samesies, doesn't mm, mean anything. Yep. And a cough. It's It might be COVID. It might be COVID. Um, even though Jason is getting sick and dealing with odd jasmine and cat pee odor, he is interested in the religious history of the box. Okay. Apparently, it's covered in Hebrew etchings, and he believes that there's a dibbuk inside. Mm-hmm. Dibbicks come from Yiddish folk tales. Okay. Um, from the Jewish mystical movement in the latter half of the 16th century. Um, so a lot of people's Jewish grandmas are probably talking about this. Okay. Dibbick literally means an attachment or um, a 
cleaving to something. So it's like when a spirit sticks to something because it's not done yet. Okay. But it's kind of malevolent. It comes from the word for evil. Ooh. So it's not good. That's not good at all. A dipic is thought to be the spirit of a person who, instead of drifting into the next realm, sticks around and enters the bodies of living people. And the movie, it's really yeah. gross because he's like a physical person inside who crawls out their mouths. No, 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 no. <laughs> At one point, have you seen the picture? The hand <laughs> comes out of the mouth and grabs the face. I oh hate my it god! So much. It's How did so you do this, scary. How did you do this? I was afraid. <laughs> I thought Jeffrey Dean Morgan will keep us safe. It gets him too. Yeah, of course. It's very upsetting. Okay, Dimix. <laughs> when he showed it to Rebecca Edry, um, an Orthodox Jewish bookkeeper, she explained that the purpose of the box. Um, so she says it was meant to be used as a receptacle for Torah scrolls. It's got little thingies that hold scrolls in it. Okay. And um, it's the right size to be the one that they take to like people's homes when they're dying or yeah. at their funerals. Um, Rebecca believes that there was a spirit stuffed inside it. Ooh. She says this was done deliberately for a specific purpose. Her solution to the box's tenant is a formal Jewish burial. Mm. Jason says when he dies, he wants the box to be buried with him for it to be finally gone from this world. He believes the spirit in the box to be somewhat neutral. <laughs> Jason's got a lot of ideas. Okay. Neither good nor bad. He says, I believe it was designed and equipped to move a person toward their innermost desire or wish. Of course, sometimes what a person wants is not always a good thing for them or others. I remain unsure of what the fuck Jason is talking about there, mm -hmm. um, but way to exercise positive thinking. I guess so. <laughs> he theorizes that the scary consequences of holding on to the box are the result of the box trying to get into its get to its ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. Those not willing to move it forward, he says, uh, receive stronger assaults from it until they get loose, until they let loose of it so it can find someone who will fulfill its destiny and accomplish the goal or task it was given. Mm. Jason has actually written a book, The Dybbuk Box, and he offered to send it to Sam. Um, I don't know how to say his name. Raimi, R-E-I-M-I, -I, the filmmaker of the movie. Okay, yeah. Um, but Sam said, I imagine hard pass. That's some freaky <laughs> shit. <laughs> yep. Uh, no, thank you. That's a no from me. Jason did not stick to the plan of Jason. holding on to the box until his death and oh being God. very excited. <laughs> Don't make promises you can't keep. Jason's full of shit. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> he gifted the box to the... What the hell? <laughs> I'm so angry right now. This person knows what to expect, okay. though. He gifted the box to the host of Ghost Adventures and the owner of the Haunted Museum in Las Vegas, okay. Vegas Zach Baggins. Um, so this is where Posty comes in. Perfect. Posty was hella cursed by a Dybbuk box. <sighs> the same one. What? Yeah. Post Malone visited the Haunted Museum in Las Vegas with Zach Baggins. Uh, Bag Bagans. I don't know how to say his name. And Zach took the plexiglass cover away from the box to touch it for the very first time. Well, I don't um, know why. Why would you do that? So while Zach's touching the box, he gets pretty freaked out and posty because he is a tender soul. Yes. He like reached out and grabbed his sho shoulder. And, like, the cursed magic flowed into him. I don't like that. He's also a very... A believer. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So, here's what happened to our inked magic-dealing musician. 
his private plane had to make an emergency landing when its tires blew off. Jesus Christ. Three armed robbers targeted a home in San Fernando Valley that they thought was his. Oh, my God. And his Rolls Royce was in a high speed car accident. And then he told Seth Meyers about it on late night. Oh, my God. Yeah. In that same interview, he talks about uh, how he likes living in Utah because he has his <laughs> night vision like binoculars and looks at the sky to see aliens. Okay. I love him so much. He's so just. He's he looks like a sweetie pie. He does. But he also really fun. does. Yeah. Like he'd be a good time. This movie was none of those things. No, 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 no. In the movie, mm-hmm. the daughter, the dad takes the daughter to a yard sale and she's trying on like cute hats and having a fun time. And then mm-hmm. she sees the box and asks if she can have it. Of course. And she quickly becomes obsessed with the box mm. to where she's acting weird as hell. Yeah. So the dad takes the box and throws it away. This particular scene. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to walk you through it. You need okay. to be part of this. Mm-hmm. He's taken the box and gotten rid of it, and she's throwing a fit, and she's like, where's my box? And he's like, you can't have the box. You're acting like a crazy person. And she says, give it back to me. And he's like, don't talk to me like that. You're going to be grounded for the rest of the weekend. And she says, "Uh, nobody loves you. Oh, Mommy doesn't love you. Like, it's this, her face changes. She gets scary as hell. And then she does this thing where you hear the sound and she reacts like he slapped her in the face. And she's like, Daddy, what are you doing to me? And he didn't hit her. Oh, my God. To the point where her sister comes out of her room and she's like, what are you doing? Are you hitting her? And he's like, no, I didn't hit her. She takes off running, runs a couple blocks away, straight to the dumpster where her dad threw the box. Oh, my God. Pulls it out of the dumpster and scary fucking shit starts happening Mm -mm. involving like moths. Don't like it's that. It's not good. No. The whole movie's terrifying. I don't. I like, I like spooky movies. Honestly, Brian and I will probably watch this, but with a light on. Um, I like the actors in it. Mm-hmm. I like, we don't, I feel like whenever Jewish people are involved in movies, people are always bringing up the absolute worst part of their history. Right. And it's probably nice every now and then for them to see a person of their culture and faith in like a spooky movie or a rom-com movie. You yeah. Know? Like we all want to be re- represented as regular human people. Exactly. Like obviously there's nothing we shouldn't be talking about regarding the horrible events that have occurred right that's important shit yes but it's probably nice probably. to see your people doing anything other than that at right. any, you know maybe yeah <laughs> seems nice it probably feels nice probably it's scary as hell though Ugh. oh my gosh and the the i'm not sure if he's a full rabbi like i don't know the the in the same way that I don't know the difference between a father and a priest. Right. I just don't know. Um, but he he's like so courageous in oh. the end scene, like to save them, like the way that he he has to rock and sing, pray to say it's like he's just a he's like a hero in in his his priestly garb, you know? Oh. It's really cool. That's really, really cool. And scary. Though. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's so much. Oh. Um, I'm never doing that again. Fair. Thanks for that experience. Yeah. Uh uh, you guys are the best, but no. We we know we did do this for you. We did it. We did. We did. I think we have one more spooky spooky episode mm-hmm. coming up, which is uh really wonderful. It's actually good. Yes. It's less spooky, more awesome. Yes. And I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a good time. Mm -hmm. 
Oh my goodness. <gasps> this no. is, I don't know. Is, do I say let's do this again sometime? I don't know if I want to do this again sometime. I'm for sure going to go watch Moana. And okay. Make Seth snuggle me. Let's go watch Moana and then let's do this again sometime. <laughs> <laughs> say hi to your mom for me. Make sure it's your mom. <laughs>